Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Just his word. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17 this morning. The Bible states these words, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say now. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. This morning we are continuing with uh, reviewing our mission statement here at the church to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant the harvest. This morning we're looking at thus winning those souls here today. Amen. That is our focus for this morning. Amen. We're going to ask God to help us in this lesson today. Father, I need you this morning. God, these people need you. I pray, oh God, remove, Lord, every distraction, God, from the minds, every distraction from the hearts. God, I pray, Lord, every bit of complacency, God, that may settle the end upon hearts and minds this morning. Help us, God, just to turn our attention, Jesus, to you. God, to look at your word. God, allow that word, Lord, to find its place in our life. God, and to be carried out, Lord Jesus, in our life as well. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. It's been uh, a week or two weeks, rather, since we have been here. Uh, whenever we last came together, we took a pretty hard look, good look at the idea or the concept of souls, how throughout God's word, he didn't just speak about people per se, but he spoke about souls, the eternal part of man, not just a body that will deteriorate in the ground, but the eternal part of man. And so our focus then this morning is on the idea or the concept of winning those souls or winning those eternal parts of men. And it may seem like a pretty tall order if we believe this morning that we are solely responsible for the salvation of souls. We are solely salva- uh, responsible for uh, the salvation of men and women. But for one, and we can be very firm on this according to the word of the Lord, no man has ever been solely responsible for another's salvation apart from the man Christ Jesus. No other individual has ever been totally responsible for another's salvation except for Christ Jesus. However, just because I am not solely responsible does not mean I am totally exempt either. Just because it doesn't, I didn't, wasn't the one that shedded the blood or it wasn't me that gave the life doesn't mean that I am totally exempt as well. I've heard people rally around the cry uh, many times, commonly, that 
that it is God who gives the increase. And that's biblical. That's a biblical phrase. That is absolutely true. It is God who gives the increase. But sometimes I've heard that phrase used in a wrong manner, out of context, used in such a way for people escaping their duty for winning souls. I don't have to do anything. God will give the increase. I can just sit here, eat my meal, go to church faithfully, pray and such, and God will give the increase, bless God. Well, that, that is to totally mis, misinterpret and miscue what that phrase is. Paul, whenever he was writing to the church at Corinth, there were all kinds of divisions in the church at Corinth. And the reason why is that some had been baptized by the Apostle Paul. Some had been baptized by Apollos. And uh, they were pricked in their hearts by the message that these individuals had taught. And there was a division because those that were baptized Paul, they just believed that Paul was the one that hung the moon. And since he baptized them, their honor and allegiance was to him. Or if Apollos was the one that baptized them and they heard the message through him, then their, their allegiance and so on and so forth was unto him. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? He says, For who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Now, Paul couldn't save you. He's telling them, Paul couldn't save you. And Apollos couldn't save you. He says, who are they? They were nothing more but ministers by whom you believed on Christ Jesus. So while they couldn't save you, they are important. Because by their message or their testimony or their witness, that brought you to believe on the one who could save you. And so it's not to get things uh, uh, topsy-turvy and backward as though, well, forget about me. I don't have anything involved in the, in the saving of humanity. That all belongs to God. He's the one that died. He's the one that shed the blood. Yes, but us here today may be a means by which somebody hears about him. We might be a means by which the witness goes forth and someone then has faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because of your witness, your testimony. The Bible says in verse 6, I have planted, Paul says, Apollos watered, but here's that phrase, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, I can by no means toot my horn, I say that so. No, but I can say that I was a means of conduit by which they heard about the one who can save them. Yes, sir. Amen. And the reality of the matter is this. Uh, in, in a society today where people's knowledge of God, understanding about Jesus Christ and what he did for us is getting less and less. It's declining. You take us back 50 years, it was a whole lot more known among those 50 years ago about Christ, about God, morals were higher. Everything, there was just a better standard of living overall. But throughout time, society has even dropped in their morals. What just the common man, what the, if I could say it like this, what the common sinner would have. They have dropped in their morals. They have dropped in their knowledge of God in the story of Christ Jesus. And so if ever before we need a witness... If ever before we need somebody that can stand in the gap and proclaim Christ Jesus, we need it now. Because it is a means by which people will know God and then God can do God's work 
amen, if they'll follow the plan of salvation and save men's souls. It's just, we just got to put people in connection. Got to bring people together and put them into uh, connection with the Lord. And so the good apostle here, Apostle Paul, was trying to bring clarity to the thinking of the Corinthian church. He says, it doesn't matter if Apollos baptized you. It doesn't matter if Cephas or Paul baptized you. Amen. But what matters is this, because of their message, because of their witness, you were convicted then by the message of Paul or convicted then by the message of Apollos. Amen. And neither would have there been any benefit or increase in your life if God had not been involved. And so the, the awesome thing about Paul and the awesome thing about Apollos is this. Their message involved God. Their message involved God. And when the message involved God, it allows for the possibility of change, the possibility of alteration. He says, neither the planter nor the waterer. I know that might not be great grammar. Neither is the planter nor the waterer. Is, are they anything? Not Paul, not Apollos, but God. Paul and Apollos are simply ministers by whom ye Believed. Amen. But we need not overcorrect today. That's where I think we uh, go wrong sometimes. We overcorrect and we abandon the idea and the importance of our involvement in people's lives coming to know him. Amen. He told them to work. He told us to work. Amen. To work, to work together. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, for we are laborers together with God. Everybody say, with God. We are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We are labors together with God. God loves to employ us. God likes to employ us. If he wanted to, he could do it by himself, but he likes to employ us to be involved in the work of people's salvation. Amen. And so just using a very natural illustration today, of a seed, a seed that is planted in the ground. Any of you that are, are, are gardeners or such, a seed that is planted in the ground, properly cared for, amen, tells us that if you'll properly care for that seed, water that seed, make sure that it has the proper sunlight and whatever you must do in order to keep the, 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 the weeds and such out, there's a possibility that if you do that, that you'll have some type of harvest whenever it will become harvest time if you do that. There is also a possibility just because of other circumstances, maybe beyond your control, that you, there are seeds that you put in the ground, give them proper water, proper sunshine, and when it comes harvest time, it has not produced anything. It's a possibility. Uh, we have enough farmers around this area could tell you that they wish every seed they put in the ground there was 100% yield, but that's not always the case. But here's one thing us as planters can bank on. If you don't put anything in the ground, you can't expect anything. When's the last time you went out to your backyard and it was harvest time? You said, well, where are all the cucumbers at? Where's the corn? Where's the tomatoes? I need some vegetables. And you did not plant anything. Nobody in their living right mind would go out to their backyard and start screaming that they don't have no vegetables from their garden when they never planted a garden. Right? And so you can plant the garden, you can do everything properly, and you might have a yield. And you, though also there could be times when there might not be a yield, but you can for sure determine if you didn't put anything in the ground, nothing's coming up out of the ground. Right. 
And so as people today of the church, we cannot expect there to be a harvest of souls if we never plant seed. It would be the same of expecting vegetables from your backyard having never planted a garden. But I'll tell you this, there'll be time that you will plant concerning the kingdom of God. And sometimes you'll get people and sometimes you won't. But those are things that are beyond your control. Your responsibility, our responsibility is to put it in the soil. Make sure it has the proper sunlight. Make sure it has the proper water. Make sure it's tended to appropriately. Amen. And whatever happens then happens. But we by no means can expect, amen, there to be a harvest and not planted a seed. No way. Just cannot. It, it goes against the laws of nature. It goes against the laws, amen, of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 6, it states these words. And this is speaking of giving, but still, yeah, it's the, the investment, if you will. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly, everybody say sparingly, sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully, Shall reap also bountifully. All right. Now, the the common thing here is this. If you just plant a few, all right, you can't expect to reap then a superabundance out of those few. You, You can't plant two rows of corn in your backyard and expect to get a whole field worth that a farmer would get. I know that's simple. I'm not trying to uh, uh, insult anybody's intelligence here today. But what I'm saying is if you sow a little, you can't expect much. But if you sow bountifully, then you can expect perhaps more. In other words, what the harvest is, the harvest many times is in relationship to what was planted. Amen. In relationship to what is planted. It's quite possible to have sown and reap nothing. Amen. But thank God, according to the dynamic of the kingdom, God gives the increase. God gives the increase. So you might sow and nothing may come up. But I guarantee you this. Amen. The opposite is also true. You could sow and something could come up. And we got to take a chance, Brother Howard, on sowing. We can't get in the mind frame, well, I sowed and nothing happened. And then next year, well, I'm not going to sow. There would be a lot of agriculture businesses out of business if they had that type of mindset. They wouldn't go back to the field next year, invest the money, and make sure all the machinery was up to date in order to do what they needed to do. No, but they know that just sometimes seasons are like that and it happens. But not every season is like that. So they go out the next year, they put in the time, the effort, the work, and they sow again in the ground, and they might have a bountiful harvest, maybe so much so it made up for the time that there was none. Is that right? Man, we, if we go back to the glory days of 1996, there were so many people that got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in 1996. When we moved into our second building, it was just out of, out, out of our mind. Amen. But what that was a product of is was constantly sowing. Constantly sowing. Some years not so much, other years not so much, but constantly sowing. And that year there was a bountiful harvest because somebody constantly, constantly sowed. So I'm telling you today, don't quit sowing. Don't quit sowing bountifully. Don't quit 
quit investing in the ground. It might not be today. It might not be next season. But somewhere along the way, your work will not be in vain. Amen. We're labors together with God. He, he gives the increase. Amen. And so God giving the increase denotes that he increased. You start with something in order to have increase. Okay. God builds upon or adds to something that is already there. God gives increase. And note, we are laborers with him. So if we do our part of taking the seed, seed of God's word, seed of our witness, seed of our testimony, plant into the ground of people that don't know the Lord, then let God do his business of increase. But you got to give God, he wants us, I should say rather this, he wants us to give him something to increase with. Put the seed in the soil. Let's give him something to work with. And our, 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 our motive, our mission is thus winning those souls. Years ago when Bishop wrote this, no doubt inspired of the Lord, the word thus, the word thus, T-H-U-S, is defined as in the way just indicated. In the way just indicated. In other words, that which was prior to that, it was to love as God loves. Showing compassion to every soul. And so the word thus then is now in the way just indicated, winning those souls. In the way just indicated, winning those souls. Amen. True, 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 true. So the way in which we win those souls is by that love that we show that is like the love of God. That compassion that we pour out upon them. Amen. Which again, if you remember, compassion is more than just a feeling. It is an action. The compassion that we have upon them. Amen. He's employed us. We are recruiters today. We are recruiters for the kingdom of God. We are recruiters for the church. Not just this local assembly, but for the church overall. In our text, Paul told the Corinthian church that God. And you'll just have to walk with me here a little bit. In our text, Paul told the Corinthian church that God which we know is spirit. God is a spirit. John 4, 24 tells us this, that they that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. That's his word. Paul told us the church in Corinthians there in our scripture reading today of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 19. He said that God, which was spirit, was in Christ. God, which was spirit, was in Christ or was in Jesus Christ. Christ was in that man, Jesus Christ. We can read of 1 Timothy 3.16 that tells us of this, this, this miracle of God being in Christ. The Bible says in John 1 Timothy 3.16 that God was manifested in the flesh. God who is spirit, who is invisible, was manifested, became visible to all humanity because he was in Jesus Christ, the man. And it tells us that God, the God that spirit that's in the man, Jesus Christ, was reconciling, reconciling the world to himself. Amen. In other words, whenever Jesus was walking here among us in shoe leather as a man, God was in that man and he was pulling people to himself. We see it oftentimes in scriptures. We even see it in the Bible. It says, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
Speaking, of course, of his crucifix, but I believe it also speaks in other terms as well. Jesus said, if I be lifted up in the earth, I'll what? Draw. Pulling people. Pulling people to himself. Now, look now. In verse number 18 of our scripture setting, Paul got a little personal and told them that God reconciled him or us, that is, to himself. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to, everybody say us, us, the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. Paul got personal. God hath reconciled us to himself. That's Jesus Christ. God did that by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection because that's how all come to him through Christ, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. The word reconcile means to change. The word reconcile means to exchange. It means to return into favor with. It is where one ceases to be angry with another and receives him into favor. God reconciled. He exchanged with us. <laughs> through Jesus Christ. And here's how reconciliation or that exchange happened between God and us using the man, Christ Jesus, as the medium. Verse 19, to it that God was in Christ. So we already looked at God who is spirit was in Christ, which was a man, flesh, and blood. God who was invisible was in the man, Christ Jesus, who was visible reconciling the world unto himself. Here's how he reconciled, how he made the exchange, not imputing their trespasses unto them. We were sinners. We had transgressed. We had trespasses. And God made reconciliation with us and exchange with us by not imputing, look at it, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He wasn't holding us chargeable for our sins. We should have been. But he wasn't holding us chargeable for our sin. And look now, and, and the Bible says, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, look at the word impute. Uh, just follow me here. The word impute means to count, to take into account or to make an account. God did not count our trespasses. God did not take into account our sins. But here's what he did. That man, Christ Jesus, that God who is spirit indwelt, he caused Christ Jesus to be made sin for us. He says, I'm not taking into account your sins because they are there and they are many. See, this is reconciliation. He says, but I'm going to lay the sins of all people upon the man, Christ Jesus. So the reconciliation or the exchange was this. Jesus, who is the perfect man, Tempted in all ways like you and I are yet without sin. Became sin. Took our sin upon him. He who knew no sin took sin upon him and became sin. And we who were sinners, who from the day of our birth know nothing but being in sin. And sinning. It's not accounted, not given, no count was taken of our sin. But he gave to us what he had. And he took what we had. We had the sin. Christ who had no sin took that. And he who had no sin gave us a clean bill. Oh yeah. 
So here, here's the sinner over here. I was born into sin. I'm after the Adamic nature. I have sin all in my life. I, I don't even have to do anything. There is sin nature that's a part of me. I'm sinner by virtue of my birth. And over here is Christ Jesus. Amen. The spirit of the almighty God overshadowed Mary. And that which within her was a holy thing. And that child came forth. Didn't know any sin. Never did a sin in his life. And God says, I'm going to reconcile the world to myself by Christ Jesus. I'm going to let Christ Jesus give them his purity and he's going to take their transgression. He's going to give them their holiness and he, their, their unrighteousness are going to fall upon him. That's reconciliation. That's the exchange. Now, that's great. We rejoice in that. Right? We who were sinners were counted as though we had not sinned. Our sin was exchanged for the righteousness of God. And so in that moment, God reconciled the world to himself through Christ Jesus. More importantly, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. That's the means by which it happens. He won souls by that way. But notice these phrases in verse number 18 and verse number 19. Verse number 18, God hath given to us. Everybody say, that's me. God hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus Christ was walking on the earth, Jesus Christ had the ministry of reconciliation. Whenever Jesus Christ departs and ascends to the heavenlies, guess who is given the ministry of reconciliation now? Every single one of us. Well, you say, well, Brother McGee, the Bible says he's, look at it, verse number 19. God hath committed to us the word. Everybody say word. Word, word of reconciliation. Brother McGee, I'm not Christ Jesus. You're right. None of us are. None of us are. But the same perfect spirit that was in Christ Jesus which was the spirit of God. God is a spirit. That's all he is. I'm not saying that in a, <laughs> a denouncing way. I'm saying that's what he is. God is a spirit. Whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whenever you receive the Holy Spirit, you have the same spirit in you that was in Christ Jesus. And so now... Christ is away and he's ascended and now that ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. That word of reconciliation has been given to us. In other words, the church overall where his spirit indwells, we now must be the ones that are the medium for souls being one. Oh yes. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 Everybody say now. Now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. You know what that means? You are a representative of Christ. Since we are ambassadors for Christ. You are a representative of Christ. When an ambassador is sent from the United States to some uh, other country, that person is a representative of the United States. They re represent everything that the United States is, stands for, or wishes to portray. 
Whenever they see that person, they see America. They represent America in foreign soil. Christ says, you are now our ambassadors. You are representatives of Jesus Christ. You are representatives of that sinless light. You're representatives of that light that lived among them that had power to speak. That had power to speak and things came under its command. You are that representative of Christ Jesus that was constantly reaching and longing for the souls of humanity. morning what I'm telling you today is this the church is the only representative that this world has of Christ I cannot slacken my responsibility and depend on somebody else to do it the church of the living God that has the spirit of the living God dwelling in it they are the ones that are the representatives of Christ in this world nobody else could do it but the church yeah Circus ain't going to do it. We're responsible. We're the medium. We have now become the ambassadors, the reconcilers. If you were of humanity to God. So, he says, God, look at it. Verse number 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. In other words, the pulling and the drawing that God had done through Christ on humanity, now he's doing through us on humanity. God is beseeching humanity now by his church, through his church. The ones to whom he gave the ministry and the word of reconciliation to. He said, and look at it, verse number 20. He says, we pray you in Christ's stead. We're in Christ's stead now. We, we, we were the medium through which God now works. Be reconciled. Look at the Bible. It's not saying be reconciled to us, but be reconciled to, look, verse 18. Be rec- or 20, look, be reconciled to God. We're not a church trying to reconcile people to our church. Anybody hearing me? I'm not trying to reconcile people to the first apostolic church. I'm not trying to reconcile people to come and just be friends with Bob and Roxanne. I'm not trying to reconcile people to come to be the best friend with Sister Cox, although she's a pretty good lady, but nevertheless, that's not the objective. The objective is to reconcile people to God. And I fear in the latter days, we're going to get the concept wrong and try to reconcile people to our church. Reconcile them to our church. Oh, come to church. We have the best music in town. Come to our church. We got the best program with such and such. Let me tell you, that program will not get them to heaven. That music will not get them to heaven. That program didn't die and shed any blood for them. That music didn't die and shed any blood for them. But God who sent his only begotten son wrapped all of that up. We need to reconcile people to Christ. We need to reconcile people to God. He's the creator. He's the creator. 
I can't reconcile them to this building. We could build a bigger one and make it man gold and all that stuff. That wouldn't matter one bit if they came just to be a part of the church. They need to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. I got a hanky in that right pocket outside. So he says, we're given responsibility now for reconciling. But we're not reconciling to us. We're reconciling to God. We're just a medium by which it is accomplished. We're just a means by which it is accomplished. And so when, when, when you become born again of the water and the spirit and you have God's spirit living inside of you, no one else needs to die for that exchange of somebody getting their sin taken away and receiving his purity. Nobody else has to die for that exchange. For that matter, none of us are in a position fit to die for that exchange. We, our death wouldn't accomplish that. Doesn't have to be another death. But as representatives, we provide a means for God to call to lost humanity through us because we've been given the ministry and the word of reconciliation. But he is the reconciler. Y'all not my saints? This ain't my church. People say, well, that's Brother McGee's church or that's Brother McGee's saints. Y'all not my saints. You're not my church. You're his saints. And this is his church. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to work in the ministry of reconciliation. He's the reconciler. God has saints beyond Mount Carmel, Illinois. God has a church beyond Mount Carmel, Illinois. Amen. His church is very pervasive. I'm just a representative. I, I begin responsibility as an ambassador. The Bible says in Revelations 22 and verse 17, I got, I, well, I got plenty of time. We, we, I got out here early today. We could go hour. No. The Bible says in Revelations 22 and verse 17, and the spirit, everybody say the spirit. There it is, that Holy Spirit, that spirit which God is. And the bride, everybody say the bride. And the bride, say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. This is the last book of Revelation. Hey man, everything has happened. All the vials have been poured out. All this stuff. The, 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 uh, the ending of all things have come into a head. And there's just a voice here that, that John is speaking saying the spirit says come. There's, there's a call if you will. A call for all humanity. You, you need to come. He has then told the end of all things that will happen though it had not happened the moment in time that he written it or has it happened yet but he says basically based upon everything you heard about the last things about the end days about the rapture about tribulation about the second based upon that it says the spirit the holy spirit the spirit of god says come there's a drawing but he says the spirit and the bride everybody say the bride, bride. that's the church not only should the spirit that's in us be beckoning, but we, the members of the body of Christ, should be beckoning and say, come, come. Days are numbered, come. Terror is coming, come. Let me 
tell you, it's not getting further away from the rapture. At this stage of time, it's not getting further away from the rapture. If anything, we're getting closer to the rapture. And so if the voice of the church ever needs to be elevated, it needs to be elevated now. We don't need to twiddle our thumbs. We don't need to sit on our backside. No, we need to be the cry. The Spirit is saying, come in, and the church is in agreement with the Spirit. Come, come, come. Whosoever will, let him come. Hmm. Acts 1.8 says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall what? Receive. What? Power. And ye, shall, and ye shall be witnesses unto who? Who? Ye shall be witnesses unto me. I've hit on this before. felt necessary to do it again. Because I think Acts 1-8 has oftentimes been misquoted, if not misquoted, misinterpreted. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And I believe some have quoted it, or at least interpreted in their mind is this, and ye shall be witnesses unto them. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. Jesus here in the scripture says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. No. No. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. The word witness, you look at it's, Etymology, where it came from, its origin, it means one who is mindful heeds. In other words, Christ is saying, ye shall be mindful of me, or ye shall heed to me. In Jerusalem, which was the general locality. Judea, which was a little broader, almost like a national locality. Samaria which was the half-Jew, half-Gentile race, multiple, multiple cultural locality. And he says the uttermost part of the world, which what they knew at that time was to be Spain. And Paul was on his way in his process. He died before he got there, was going to Spain. He, to the uttermost part of the world, if I could say the international locality that they knew at that time. He says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Ye shall be mindful of me locally. Ye shall be mindful of me nationally. Ye shall be mindful of me multiculturally. Ye shall be mindful of me internationally. Ye shall be mindful of me in your home. Ye shall be mindful of me in the church. Ye shall be mindful of me on the job. Ye shall be mindful of me in the grocery store. Ye shall be mindful of me when you walk along the sidewalks in your community. Ye shall take heed to me. What that means is this. I need to be mindful, a witness unto him. More than just when I sit on a pew in this building. Oh, I'm mindful of him when I come to church. Oh, I feel the spirit of the Lord. I'm mindful of him. Many times though, we leave the double doors and we're not mindful of him again till Sunday night and sometimes not even then, but Wednesday. I'm mindful of him. He says, no, you need to be witnesses. You need to be heeding to me, mindful of me. Whenever you go home, 
My spirit. God's spirit is not locked up into this building. It's not locked up here. We don't like put chains on the door and say, God, you stay here this week. We'll be back on Wednesday. We make our bed in heaven or hell. He's there. You know what tells me? In my home, brother Bob, sometimes I feel the spirit of the Lord. And you know what I do? I take heed. I'm mindful. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> How you doing, Jesus? What would you like? Huh? Sometimes in the grocery store, walk into that checkout area, and there whoever it is just across from me checking me out, and all of a sudden I feel a little, yay, Lord. What would you like me to say right now? Are you hearing me? It says in order for the salvation of men, we got to be mindful of him everywhere we go. We got to mind, be mindful of him everywhere we go. A PTO meeting, a, a ball game, everywhere that we go in our city, in our town, internationally, in our community, at the airport, we got to be mindful of him. We got to take heed to him. We got to be sensitive. Because you never know when you might be needing to reconcile humanity to God at any location. Yes. <laughs> I've told this story a thousand times. I'll tell it again. Whenever I was young, was before Don and I ever got married. So that was in excess of 20 years ago. Because this November we will have been married for 20 years. So in excess of 20 years ago. I was just a young little snot. I was, I was working at MG in Fort Branch. She and I was looking toward marriage. I was working there. Working on Arby's line. Arby's roast beef as a matter of fact. Just as a side note. Anything that doesn't meet standards for Arby's becomes Hardy's roast beef. Just letting you know. I'm serious. If it didn't pass the standard for Arby's, it became Hardy's roast beef. I'm serious. And so we were working there. And just letting you know, next time you get your roast beef sandwich, if you want the cream of the crop, go to Arby's. Amen. <laughs> Not all things are alike. But anyway, I'm working, on that, I'm working on that line. And roast beef, whenever it came out, son, it looked horrible. It just looked like a, it was, this tube was sticking out of a machine. And we would shoot it in these bags. It was almost like a very heavy pace. And I worked at that bag area. So we would knock off bags of, of that roast beef. And me and an and a, a African-American guy, or black guy, whatever is the best social, uh, social terminology that needs to be used today. I get mixed up back and forth what needs to be done. But nevertheless, we would do that. Man, we could kick off those bags like nobody's business. And we were doing that. And down the aisle, uh, there that little line, there was a lady there. She was older than, older than me, not, not a whole lot older. She was working there, and they knew I was a church boy and all that good stuff, and I was on the verge of getting married and all this grand stuff. And we were working there, and she was doing things and so on and so forth. And I don't remember exactly what was going on. She had some type of problem that was going on with her child, a very young child, like infant, infant child, and, and uh, so on and so forth. And, and someone had made mention, I don't know where they came out of the blue, it's been too many years, how this all came about, but they was talking about, well, if that baby, if that baby would lose its life right now, or whatever, it said it would go to hell. And son, I'm telling you, that lady started crying and everything. And so I start 
talking then about age of accountability and, and uh, how about those things that are in, in 1 Corinthians talking about they were made holy then by their parents and so on and so forth and kind of just soothed her down and stuff. But she was then interested in just, just that small little thing of going to bat for somebody's ignorance. That she was interested in church. She lives in our community right now here today. I don't know how many times I see her. I go through a checkout. Might be in the store. Her name's is Stacy. I say, Stacy, how you doing? Man, it's been a lot of years since we worked back on that line. Yeah, I said, well, you know, I still pastor over there at the First Avenue store. Yeah, I really need to come over and see you, so on and so forth. I guess what I'm saying is this. I, just, I could have been online, just kept my mouth shut, and just threw bags of Arby roast beef, you know. But no. Because I know at that point in time, that, that lady's face, she was vulnerable. And I like to take advantage of vulnerable people. You might think he's an idiot. No. I like to take advantage of a vulnerable. I think that's one of the reasons why I like funerals so much. I'm serious. You're going to, there's no time hardly any greater than someone's vulnerable during a time of a loss of a loved one. And you can really speak very gently into their life in that vulnerability. Find somebody that's down hard on their luck that's looking for an answer. Vulnerable. What are you saying? I'm saying that doesn't happen during time of study in, in the office or down on knees in prayer for an hour here at the church. That happens wherever you are as long as you're a witness to him. Sensitive. You're, you're his hands. You're his feet. You're his voice. Huh? We are. We are. We got to be sensitive when we leave these church doors that we don't leave our salvation and our spiritual experience and our woo-ha-ha-ma-ha right here in the church. It needs to go with us. It, it must go with us. Someone say amen. <laughs> there's people thirsty out there and there's a river of living water springing up from you. There's somebody that just might be asking for a drink. Paul said in Acts 14 and verse 17 that God left not himself without witness. God left not himself without witness. In other words, God made sure he would have a people mindful of him wherever they went, taking heed to his direction, Wherever they went in any location of life because he said, I didn't leave myself without a witness. We are that witness. If we're mindful of God, if we heed to the Lord, we will take, we will take his burden for humanity and we will adopt it as our own. No, no, no. The spirit that was in the man Christ Jesus that stood up there on that height and place as he overlooked Jerusalem and cried out to them, Oft times I would have gathered thee as a hen would gather her brood under my wings, but ye would not. He wept. One of the few times you ever see Christ ever weep in Scripture. He wept at Lazarus' grave. You see him weeping here. One of the few times you ever see the Savior weep. He's weeping over somebody that died prematurely. 
and he's weeping over a group of people that didn't realize who he was. And here he is. His, his, his soul is just crying out. I all times would have gathered you. I wanted to draw you. I wanted to reconcile you. But ye would not. Brother, Brother Gregory, if we will be mindful of him, that same type of burden and feeling will come upon us. That sometimes while we're standing outside on our porches in this community at night and we see the lights on in the different houses around our neighborhood, we're thinking, my God, my God, if I could just somehow get them to know him, if I could just introduce them, not to my church, if I could just introduce them to him. Oh, she's a good woman. We've had talks. We've had conversations. That guy crossed the the street how many times we've taken garbage out at the same time and just kind of chewed the cud over just life I hope that I'm mindful of him that that spirit inside of me is bubbling up and overflowing and touching his thirsty tongue in a spiritual Why do you think whenever the moment is needed, they come to you and say, you know what? This is going on right now in my life. Would you pray? I tell you why. Because, yeah, they might know you're a Christian, but they also sense something in you. We must be mindful. I, I try to challenge somebody in this house today. The next time that happens, don't wait to bring the need to the church. Stop right there and say, if you want, we can pray right now concerning that. Be mindful. I've had times people, neighbors, come over, see me out, come over, tell me about their woe and where they're at, and say, would you pray? And I've done just that. I said, do you mind if we pray right now? And we grab hands, and we pray. Why in the world, Brother McGee? Because I know that if I start talking to God, Sonny, whenever I start talking to God, I feel connection with God. His spirit. And if my old human flesh can feel it, there might be a chance, and I've seen the tears flow as I prayed, that they'll start feeling something. We had just the other evening during revival, uh, Sunday night of revival, a lady come up here, first time she's ever been here, came with Sister uh, Brenda Wendell. She came up here for prayer for a physical need. But honey, as I began to pray for her, hands were shaking and mouth was moving. She was close to the Holy Ghost. Because pastor is great and wonderful. And he's all new. But I have a spirit that's in me that was in Christ Jesus. That's trying to reconcile. Woo! Trying to reconcile. We've had it happen at other times where the people come up here for healing. We pray for them. They walk away with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God is so eager to reconcile people. He'll take one need and make it a different outcome. He can take. Thus winning those souls. Thus winning those souls. I'm going to close if you'll stand with me today. We're not totally done with this, but we'll, I didn't plan to be totally done with this. We'll go on next week. Jesus said to the many disciples that he had met at various locations, Peter and John and Andrew and James and many of the disciples were fishermen by trade. That was their livelihood. He told them as he passed by whether they were 
washing their nets or mending their nets or if it was a Levi at the receipt of custom told them all that the plea was this he commanded them he said follow me and I will make you fishers of men follow me and I will make you fishers of men that wasn't a maybe that wasn't a suggestion he said you follow me I will make you fishers of men and so here's the thing that we got to ponder in our minds if we're not fishing are we following He said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So if we're not fishing for men, are we following? Because he said, if you will follow me, I will make you. If we're not fishing, are we following? Because he commanded me to follow. And if so, he would make me fisher of men. So if I'm not fishing, am I following? just want to leave you with that question today. If we can just bow our heads all across this building. Bow our heads all across this building. Folks, there is a myriad and sundry of ways that you can be a witness to him and be sensitive to him among the daily activities of your life. They don't all, those means of, of being a witness to him in the different places that you go, your job, your grocery store, whatever, all that, all that doesn't look the same. In every individual's life. But neither does it mean it is any less effective than all of our lives. Uh, mostly we just need to be sensitive to him. Follow, follow the guidance of the spirit. I know sometimes outside of the context of the church. Outside of the context of the church. Whenever you feel like maybe the Lord wants you to do something. You might second guess it more. Because you're outside of the context of the church. You're outside of the walls of this assembly. Some people have a hard enough time in here following that, let alone outside. And so with that, let's get this straight. You might find it hard to do anything outside the church if you've not grown to a place of being comfortable when he speaks to you inside these walls to do something. And so we got to exercise while we're in church to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, to follow the lead in the direction of God, what he'd want us to do, raise hand, run around, pray for someone, so and so. we got to be sensitive to that in here so that we can for sure when we leave this arena, this context of the church outside of the four walls so that when the Holy Ghost would speak, we would be willing for sure to do it then. But if we don't get it right while we're in here, we'll probably not, probably not get it right out there. Because, see, this is the safe arena. This is the safe spot. Honey, we got to be sensitive here so we can be sensitive out there. So we can be sensitive out there. I mean, if you, if, if, if you have problems whenever the Lord speaks to you and say, you know what, I think you need to go over and pray with Brother Pat tonight and your service goes by and you don't do it, how in the world do you think you're going to pray for somebody you don't even know? I'm not saying it wouldn't, but it probably won't happen. Got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Let's pray right now. Father, I come to you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.